Welcome to the Post Mo Podcast, a support guide to those leaving Mormonism. This is Audrey, your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of our Post Mormon Podcast. I'm here today with one of my besties, Sarah, and I am just so excited to have a conversation with you today. Want to say hi to everyone? (laughs) Yes, I do. I'm so glad to be here and I'm really glad to be here with you. I just have always had this deep love and respect for you. And like, even when we were both like deeply embedded in the church, like I just knew I loved you and I'm so excited to hear what you have to say. Oh, I'm same to you. I'm excited to learn from you today. (laughs) So if you just want to say whether you were born in the church or not, and how long has it been since you left? Okay. I was born in the church. I come from a pretty Orthodox Utah family, and I was born and raised in good old Lehigh, Utah. And I've been out of the church for just a little over two years now. How do you measure how long you've been out of the church? Because it's like that horrible, long, no. ugly, <laughs> years-long process, you know? <laughs> I know at first it it felt like when you first have a baby and you measure their age in months because it hasn't been long enough to be years yet but it feels so excruciatingly long yeah yeah no for real (laughs) let's give a brief and basic explanation of garments because I love that they're listening but there's a lot of non-mormons that listen to this podcast like never most interesting I know. I I know. It's shocking, but also super glad you're here. If you are listening, I'm just going to give a little tidbit. It's special underwear that's given to you when you go through the endowment ceremony, which is like a special ritual in the temple. And they used to put them on you in the ceremony, which is why like there's super weird shows that allude to that. Well, I guess they're good shows, but like, that's a super weird part of the show. (laughs) But now, thankfully, like I just bought my garments beforehand, showed them my temple recommend and was able to just put them on by myself in a locker room before we did the ceremony. So that part was not creepy for me. I don't know about you. No, that part wasn't as uncomfortable to me as like the rest of the endowment was like this way worse stuff to go. I honestly was prepared so well for the temple by my mom that I wasn't freaked out. Like she literally went through the whole thing, but I could totally see like someone going in where it's like so sacred. We don't talk about, and you're like, what just happened? I am going to give a little bit of the history of the garments. They used to go like all the way down to your what are these called? Wrists? Your wrists and your ankles. <laughs> and your ankles. And like, ah, uh, like I love the pioneers. What they did was amazing. Super mad respect for them, as I've said before in my podcast. That just like triples it. If these ladies were walking around in the sweltering Utah heat, no air conditioning, and these long ass garments, like, wow. They were dedicated to what they believe. Real, real dedication. And you know, nobody was looking at fabric content. There was nobody out there being like, let's let's make this more comfortable for the ladies. Vanessa did not exist. Did not exist for the pioneers. <laughs> it doesn't exist now. It's not right. gonna have existed back then. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So now it only goes to 
current modesty standards. <laughs> Could you imagine when they first showed their elbows? Like how scandalous that must have been. Probably very wild. It was probably a big day in Utah. <laughs> it was. The women are like, let's go. No more polygamy and show our elbows. <laughs> so now it goes like to your shoulder, like I don't know, even mid-shoulder. Yeah, it's a true cap. We'll call it. it. True cap sleeve. And then it goes down to your knee. However, everybody buys petite. Everybody Everybody buys petite. Even if you're super Mormon like me, you buy the petite and you don't bat a lash. No, no. You're like, I am petite in some (laughs) foreign country. (laughs) I was petite once. If you do shop online, at least the last time I shopped online for garments, you still can get like specialty cuts. So I did own in the modern day, a pair of long sleeve down to my ankle garments that were for thermal. They were my cold weather garments. I did not know that. I packed a pair for the mission because I was going to be serving in Washington and knew part of that would be kind of chilly during the winter proselyting months so that's fascinating okay I'm learning more about garments in this <laughs> and basically how you're supposed to wear them is very vague and not vague at all so in the ceremony itself which I think is public now it basically says you're covenanting to wear them throughout your life now <laughs> Depending on who you talk to, that means a completely (laughs) different thing. If you actually talk to the leaders of the church, it means that you're wearing them all the damn time. And if you talk to any progressive Mormons, it means you wear them when you want to. (laughs) Would you disagree? Not at all. Not at all. And uh, I don't know if culturally you ever got this like anecdote, but the like three S's kind of floated around in my sphere of influence, which is so horrifying to me but I'm just gonna say it for we're we're here it's education purposes the three reasons that it was like appropriate for you to take off your garments were for swimming showers and sex and that was my cultural framework around garments so there was no riding in the car in a swimsuit to a pool it was change at the pool so you're not in a car without your protection garments on yeah because if you get hit in a car accident where the garments are are going to be protected and then the rest of your body is left there's so many crazy rumors about garments it's it's just yeah the garment myths abound (laughs) it's hilarious because my three s's were taught to me differently it was swimming sweat and sex (sighs) literally so utah has these iconic natural parks right and for some reason I had never hiked the arch until I was an adult and my husband Evan and I went we were still in the church and I was like deeply committed like I'm wearing my garments all the time so it is June in the middle of the day in Utah in central Utah which is just boiling and we hiked in the middle of the day this relatively short hike but I was in polyester garments underneath black clothes in June and I looked at Evan at one point and I was like I'm gonna die because of my garments so next question you're going through this faith transition it's years long anybody who says it's different is just wrong 
when did you decide not to wear garments? I mean, was it pretty quickly for you or was it one of the last things to go? It was one of the last things to go for me. And it was one of the final straws for me and something that I had put off a long time on my shelf and my faith journey in general was polygamy. I think I knew that if I were to understand that in a more full and comprehensive way, that it would be too devastating for me to be able to stay. So one of the last things that I explored before it finally just broke was that and garments were part of that because there is some speculation about their use in identifying people who were participating in polygamy because they were wrist length. There are signs and tokens and and gestures that are made in the temple where a person could identify if you were wearing wrist length garments. And the idea that I was putting something on my body that was a relic of this deeply oppressive and violent system towards women and paying homage and honoring and treating them sacred, like not even letting my garments touch the ground because of how sacred they were. And all of the sudden in this moment, as I was understanding polygamy, I was like, oh, it, it was just a code for this very harmful and damaging system to women. And I'm carrying that with me and I'm wearing it on my physical body. I'm holding the baggage that is generations of my own family, the women in my family, generations of oppression. And I carry it on my body every moment of every day almost. And I took them and put them in a garbage bag and drove them to my church's dumpster and threw them inside. You With did. That was going to be one of my questions was how you got rid of them. That's pretty cathartic. Like that's, that's a good way to get rid of them. They're still in my garage. They're still in my garage. Cause it's hard. I had gone through my like family tree and identified in my like fourth and fifth great grandmothers, how many of them had been in polygamous relationships. And I was just like, nope, we're done. We're throwing them all away. Yeah. So I kind of actually had a similar and different at the same time experience with garments it was one of the last things to go for me too it really was because they are sacred they are special to you like they have meaning you wouldn't put those on in the sweltering heat if they didn't have meaning to you right correct so especially when you were as deep as you and I were in the Mormon church like you care about them they become a part of you so getting rid of it is really just oh I even like am emotional talking about it right now. One of my great, great grandmothers was the second wife. So literally without polygamy, I would not be here. And that's really hard for me to like wrap my mind around. I heard about the speculations of the garments relating to polygamy and I was compartmentalizing because I was like, okay, that was then. And it was wrong. This was me for years. Like the ban on the priesthood was wrong. The homophobic proclamation to the world is wrong. The 
allusion to garments being a polygamy secret is is wrong but today I can make a difference you know today I can see the garments as this 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 and to be completely 100% honest some days I miss garments because they were like a symbol of me and God's relationship now I don't even believe in God anymore and that's lonely it's painful it's awful it's really scary so scary so you feel so alone I'll like be at work in the middle of the day and go to the bathroom and be like I don't believe in God anymore this sucks I know it's like <laughs> like garments were such a hard final thing too you never forget that you're wearing them being done with garments almost felt like the point of no return because I was saying I was declining every all the blessings that had been offered to me as I was given access to those I was saying I think I'm capable of living my life without this hypothetical protection and I think I'm okay dealing with the fear and the uncertainty and the physical pain that is just going to be a part of my lived experience and I'm okay not blaming bad things that happen on me on like whether I'm wearing my garments or not and that is a big step it's a huge huge step all the emotions you know oh yeah I hate when people say like we left the church because we wanted to we left the church because we never believed like literally all you have to do is think about what if you woke up tomorrow and found out it was untrue that's literally all you have to do to have compassion for me right now yep and and people who know me know if the church still works for you if you still love your garments if you want to still wear like more power to you if that brings you closer to god that's beautiful for you i had reached a point where it was inauthentic for me to keep living the way that I was living. And that mattered more to me than trying to live something because I was told to, you know? Yep. Okay. So you've decided to give up your garments. I gave up my garments. (laughs) Now what? Like, this is where it was so hard for me because I'm like, my garments are in the garage now what do I wear like I have to get dressed tomorrow (laughs) I have to put on pants tomorrow what is gonna be underneath yeah I went to Target after dumping my clothes to go buy underwear and I want to say it's not all trial and error so much of my experience was like Googling things. God, I love the internet. I have learned so much. A part of my experience with Mormonism was being taught to fear sources of information that were not the scriptures or canonized church literature, which included the internet. And so I am still unpacking this natural hesitancy towards Googling questions and finding meaningful answers. And part of my journey was literally just like Googling underwear guide for adult women and looking at every different cut and variety and waistline and fabric and 
fabric content and also buying underwear that I ended up really hating and now have like a corner of my drawer that is all the underwear that I thought I might like but didn't and yeah okay that's so funny you'd say that I still have not done that like I have not googled it (laughs) it wasn't don't use the internet we had Facebook accounts we had Instagrams but when it comes to like critical thinking using the internet as a source for like as as making yes yeah it's more the constant drilling of make God your helper in the decision making you know it's it's between you and God. It's read the strength of youth. It's like very much what they were not saying versus what they were saying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. There is at least like one conference talk every single session that that invites us to have a healthy distrust of what we see on the internet while also saying, and it's this, it can be this fabulous tool for missionary work and like all this stuff. But there is absolutely just that infused. This is not a a safe or a reliable place for you to find good information. It can be a good tool in very select situations and it's full of danger. And please don't consider looking up something that might result in you seeing pictures of people's bodies, like maybe women's underwear guide. I call out the church as an organization at least once in every episode they're at Cafe Rio judging the family next to them if the women's garments are showing, are showing. It's not even that they are not wearing the garments, which also happens, you know, at the park. Oh, that mom's not wearing her garments. Yeah, that mom's not even Mormon. So can you chill? Uh, yeah, chill the fuck out. <laughs> We're talking about people's underwear. That's creepy and gross. How did the arrangement of my clothes become synonymous? with my eternal salvation or even how good of a person you are in the church it almost feels like those are the same thing how did it feel looking at your body without garments so scary so weird there is really so much packed up in just purity culture which also includes diet culture which was a very big part of my experience too It almost felt like I was looking at my body objectively for the first time in a way. And that was both really strange and scary and also exciting. I experienced a lot of gender dysphoria in my garments where I didn't feel like myself. And I didn't realize that until I took them off and got to wear clothes that made me feel comfortable, that made me feel soft and at ease and unrestricted and wore fabrics that didn't feel suffocating to me. A very complex experience moving out of this thing where my body was a tool and a small piece in this larger machine that was trying to churn out more kids and more tithing money. I I got to experience this little rebirth of being a human vessel. It really is a new body that you're looking at. It's shocking. (laughs) And I think for the two of us, it was post baby body. Yeah. So damn. That's even harder. Like 
props to those who haven't had babies yet. They get to learn how to live without garments because I'm like, the boobs are to the belly button. Yeah. It's, it's hard for me as a plus size person to talk about modesty without talking about weight too. And, um, I I'm a big book fan, so I'm just going to drop like a rec or two. And I just recommend to everyone that they read. If you're wanting to understand more of like, yeah, of, of these like really niche topics, like this, there's some good reads for you. And the first would be more than a body by doctors, Lexi and Lindsay kite, who both were, or are Mormon adjacent. And a big part of my experience in making that transition from my body is here to create other human bodies and support and sustain their lives to, oh, my body is an instrument through which I get to experience joy and pleasure and peace and happiness and softness. And I get to make choices about the way that I appear and the way that I clothe and accessorize myself based on those factors instead of how I appear to other people. And the role that they want me to fill in their story. Their like catchphrase from that book was my body is an instrument, not an ornament. And that really helped facilitate a really meaningful journey for me out of purity and modesty culture. What is purity culture to you? Like if you could explain it, And I want to be really clear. It's not just a Mormon problem. It is an organized religion problem. It's a system of messages that teach women that their purpose is to create life and be pleasing to men and obedient to men. So the messaging revolves around directing you towards motherhood and also directing you to do things that make you pleasing and more appealing to men. But not too pleasing. Heaven forbid you show your sexy shoulders. <laughs> such an impossible standard. It's, it's psychological torture to live within purity culture because it is this completely impossible standard. Please be the type of creature that we find pleasing, but don't do it in a way that becomes threatening or powerful. Don't benefit from it. Don't use it to your own advantage. Allow me as a man or as a system that is governed by men to make decisions about how you use and show your body. It's heavy. I mean, it's so heavy because it's literally ingrained not in us, but in our mothers, not in our mothers, but our grandmothers, not in our grandmothers, but our great grandmothers. We could go on and on and on. This is from the beginning of time. Another book, this one I would recommend for not when you're in the throes of your faith transition, because it can be a really difficult book to read, especially if you're a person who has PTSD or other significant family trauma or anything like that. But I read a book called It Didn't Start With You that talks about research where they measure the like biological impacts and the DNA and genetic impacts that happen from trauma. Because 
a person, especially a woman who experiences trauma, holds all of the DNA in her body for the children that she will create. When my grandmother was living, she had my DNA in her body because she carried her eggs and those eggs carried the DNA for their descendants. So the things that happened to my grandmother and to your grandmother and to anyone who's listening to this your DNA existed and could be altered in her body, like when she was going through that. And so if you were a part of the church and your family comes from the church, your grandmothers have purity culture trauma that the church is no longer talking about. And the church is no longer publicizing your moms carry that trauma, their DNA changed, their neural pathways were altered. And so was yours modesty and learning how to clothe yourself. I know sometimes we treat it like a joke and it's this exciting new thing that you get to do outside of Mormonism. And in a lot of ways, it really is. It is fun. It is exciting. It does feel like a reward after all of the work and the labor of the deconstruction that your body finally gets to feel comfortable and safe and at home. And I guess what I would just try to validate is that it's okay if it doesn't just feel that simple as like, yay, I get to go shopping now. It's okay if there are tears and confusion and if there is shame still, it's okay. It's gonna take a lot of work. It's gonna take some time. It's gonna be really great. You're gonna figure it out. You're gonna find ways to feel comfortable and safe again but it's not just clothes, so much more than that. So it's okay if it feels a little sticky there still. See guys, why I invited her on this podcast. (laughs) Okay. One of my issues is like, what bras do I wear? Tank tops. When the, when you guys can't see me, but when the tank top goes lower, I'm like, I don't want the top half of my bra showing. And my boobs are so big that you cannot put the little pedal. It just makes my areolas look (laughs) ginormous. (laughs) The pedal sticky-ons look like I have dinner plate size nipples. And like, I love that for anybody who likes that, who likes to see that. I don't like it for me. I've been shopping a lot. If anybody wants any of my recs, I shop a lot for underwear at old navy lately because they've got great prices it fits well they've got great size inclusion and the fabric is mostly cotton which the mormon church could literally never make a comfortable pair of cotton underwear for women but you know who does old navy Navy. (laughs) and they're probably on sale (laughs) okay if we're dropping racks yeah. Evelyn and Bobby have changed my boobs. Okay. I'm, writing it down. I'm not sponsored by any of these people. Old Navy did not sponsor me. for this. I tried Victoria's Secret. Not only did I feel like a fat so in there, like they make yes. you horrible yeah. for having big boobs. Like, sorry, I donated millions of gallons of breast milk to babies that need it. Yeah. I'm like, sorry, I created an entire human life out of nothing, basically. <laughs> yeah. What did you do? Make all of us have eating disorders? <laughs> yeah. Love dropping wrecks because that's what people need. That's what people yeah. need. 
when they leave, look up on the internet the different kinds of underwear that exist out there. Don't go to Victoria's Secret and get a push-up bra with underwire unless you really want to, but that will be a waste of your $75. I'm just telling you right now. You likely won't be measured well. You can find much more valuable information on literally Google or TikTok. Like (laughs) I literally, I follow like four accounts on TikTok that are just about bra sizing and bra recommendations. How did you find your style? How did you find your style outside of modest clothes? Some people have incredible style with modest clothes. Props to them. It is so hard. So really, I wouldn't even say I had a style. I still don't have a style. I'm trying to find my style. How? (laughs) It's such, I know. Again, I'm going to talk about the internet because it it really did help me. Uh, For my specific journey, I was looking for plus size women wearing attractive looking clothes, which can be very difficult to find stores that have inclusive sizing and things that are actually flattering. So a lot of, uh, my research was like looking up the size that I am and literally typing size 16 TikTok fashion or on Pinterest size 16, this type of fashion. And as you're kind of thinking about and looking at like, what is my style? You kind of ask yourself questions about what you spend your time doing. What does functional clothing look like for the life that you live and start to make decisions based on what colors feel happy and comfortable and easy for me to wear? What do I want to accomplish today? What do I want to feel today? Start with function. Like I I need my clothes to be able to help me accomplish these tasks today. I don't buy a lot of clothes that don't have pockets anymore because I'm just like, that is not functionally very useful to me as a person that has two toddlers. How long did it take for you to find that? I think it's still happening and, and it still changes. I had this funny thing happen towards the end of last year where I was just like, why do I wear boring clothes? I want to have fun. And I dyed my hair pink. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but garments were really hard for me because I didn't feel very ladylike. And I've learned about myself that my gender expression is, is pretty femme. Like I, I like looking like, I like looking feminine. I like having pink hair. I like wearing makeup. I like wearing things that show off my great rack. Mm -hmm. My boobs are saggy, but they're also huge because I breastfed two kids for a year each and they look great in a V-neck dress and just learning, experimenting, go to a store, just try clothes on, try things on that you've never tried on before. Try on a one shoulder, try on a strapless, see how it makes you feel. Just experience your body wearing these new things. And if you have an immediate ick or it just doesn't feel right, then you can go away from that. You can look up color theory to figure out what colors look good on your skin tones. You can pay people to do that professionally. You can take quizzes online. One of the 
the things that a friend and I kind of did together as we were both exiting the church was we made like a style board about like styles that we had always loved. We had like a little get together and we were just like, Hey, what are some of our favorite fashion moments from our lives? Like, what did we like about that? What was beautiful? Could I ever try something like that? I don't know. Just treat it like an experiment. I love it. Also, Jimmy just texted me and was like, coffee, question mark. And I was like, (laughs) so perfect for this podcast. (laughs) Side note, I hate coffee. Like, love that I tried it. Not for me. So what he's really saying is, do you want your iced chai tea with almond milk? (laughs) (laughs) That's adorable. And it's also very, very true for me. My husband really likes coffee a lot more than I do. I can enjoy it occasionally, but I don't think that I'm ever going to be like a, a coffee lady. Yeah. Hold on. He's calling me. Hi, do you want to get anything from Starbucks? Yeah. If you just want to get me a tall chai tea latte with almond milk. Tall chai tea latte, almond milk, older. Yeah. Iced. Mm-hmm. Iced tall chai chi almond milk. No, not chai chi. <laughs> chai tea. Huh? Not Chai Tea? No, and you said Chai. <laughs> you can't edit this out. Chai. <laughs> chai Tea, not Chai Tea. Oh, 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 oh. It's tall Chai Latte with almond milk. Yes, ice. Cold. Yes. Ice. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm putting this on the podcast. I love you so much. <laughs> it's too perfect tell me like you were once mormon without telling you were once mormon i love him i love him i love love him too cold tai chi that's what we want that is now my starbucks order for anyone who wants to send me it is such a good laugh and it is a literally perfect and unscripted example of like how much of a child you sometimes feel like going into the world to do things that regular adults have been doing for years and your peers have been doing for years. Yes. And it can be something as like small and silly as coffee. And it could also be like as significant as like all of the Mormon women who get chronic UTIs because of the fabric content in their garments. Yep. No one taught me that you're supposed to wear a a majority cotton underwear on a daily basis for optimal, like vaginal health. Like no one told me that. And the church didn't really provide like a meaningful way for us to be able to do that because the cotton underwear was so uncomfortable. And it may not seem like a big deal. Like it's just your sleeveless shirt. It's just your non knee length shorts. And it's also a lifetime of deconstructing the idea that your body is not yours. It belongs to someone else and you have to use it the way that they are telling you to do it. And when you find out that they is not God, it's just some old dudes that are super out of touch. Exactly. So what advice would you give to someone who is wanting to leave the church, but scared 
in terms of what's life like after this? I would say that you are going to be your own best authority. Something that took me a long time to learn is just how smart and instinctive and intuitive our bodies and our minds really are and a very important part of purity culture and modesty culture is detaching us from those instincts and those intuitions so as you're if you're thinking about leaving the church if you're scared of what's going to happen i would invite you to trust yourself you're stronger than you think you are. You can do harder things than you think that you can. It is really scary. You're about to lose some really big parts of your life. A lot of things may change. And I have never felt more secure, more at peace. I've never felt like I actually got to live according to my own values as much and the ease and the relief of just getting to live my life based on what is ethical and what makes me feel happy has been a really beautiful gift and has allowed me and my husband and my children to just grow and bloom in these really beautiful ways. Let go of your instinct to shame and pass judgment on everything that you do. That's so hard. It's going to be something that like we all battle again for the rest of our lives. Just start practicing excusing the shame that pops up when you're trying new things and just practice saying, I see you. I see that you're here. I don't need you right now. I don't need the shame. I don't need the guilt right now. If you'll excuse me so I can have some time alone with my shoulders. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's like, if you're on that fence of should I leave or should I not? If you've left and are like, I'm ready, but it's so scary. It is. It's the most frightening thing you'll ever do. And the most empowering thing you will ever do. And future generations will thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I was literally just thinking that as I said it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I sound like a Mormon. Let me drop one more book wreck. Yes, Another adjacent topic to this would be like understanding. And I literally could talk for hours just about sexuality in general, which is so good and so adjacent. So if that's still like a question for any of the listeners, go to your Google search bar and type in come as you are by Emily Nagoski. Really just pairs well with a lot of the themes that we've talked about today in centering your own lived experience, your own body, your human right to pleasure and softness and joy. 
it really pairs well with all of those themes and, and, and walks a really similar path to a lot of the modesty and purity culture things that we've talked about today. This interview could have gone on for like hours and hours and hours. I can literally talk for days. We did not even get into the sexuality part. We'll have to bring you back later on. We can have another chat. Darn, <laughs> darn, I'll have to come back. Darn. <laughs> I love you, my friend. Thank you so much for even just being willing to be on this podcast. It's scary. It's vulnerable and your experience is going to help other people. So I can't thank you enough. I also just want to thank you because I have said this before, but what is even scarier than leaving the church is talking about it publicly. And that is a terrifying and also invaluable resource for anyone going through this experience. So thank you for adding to this beautiful new canon that is just the experiences of people moving through and past organized religion for happiness and joy. And it means a lot and you're being really brave and I love you a lot. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Post Mo Podcast. Until next time, this is Audrey, your host.